Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, uh, having lived as a young man in central Illinois when I was going to school and then for several years after, uh, I would I would listen to St. Louis Cardinals broadcasts, usually when they were playing my beloved Cubbies and I couldn't get uh, stationed out of Chicago. And I, I've been aware of Mike Shannon on the air for, gosh, forever. He's 82 years old. He's the St. Louis Cardinals. He's play-by-play guy. Still the announcer at 82. Yeah, I know. And uh, he had to read a promo the other night. I wish Positive Sean was here. Sean, I hope you're listening somewhere. Okay, because he's uh, he's talking about NFTs they were putting out. Michael? Now is your chance to come digital. You can bid now on one of the one-on-one Bush Stadium NFT. What's NFT mean? Mike Claiborne, what's an NFT? No friggin' touchdowns. No. <laughs> no friggin' tonsils. Here's a strikeout number five. NFT stands for non-fungible token. A digital token that's a, a type of a Cypro uh, currency. Man, they have words in here I've never heard before. But unlike a standard coin in the uh, buy coin, uh, blockchain and NFT is a unique and can't be exchanged like for like uh, hence uh, non fungible <laughs> online thing you can't sell. Well, I don't use the online, so that's why I don't know. <laughs> you can't wow. give NFT copy to an 82-year-old <laughs> and wow. have an ad live around it. You can't do that. Wow. He's still wow. sharper in the present, though. That that come up with the no freaking touchdowns. Biden couldn't come up with stuff like that off the top of his head. Wow, that's chilling. Yeah, you're right. Mike Shannon, St. Louis Cardinal. <laughs> you know, Poor we're gonna guy. lighten. <laughs> Gonna lighten up a little bit this segment, uh, and then, you know, back into the news of the day, of course. But speaking of, uh, people on the air. So I see this story out of the Hollywood Reporter that, uh, uh James Corden is taking it hard online after his recent stunt. And I'm like, okay, some people on Twitter said something bitchy. That's what Twitter is. But it got more and more interesting. So evidently what triggered this was, he has these stunts, like the, the, what do you call it? The carpool karaoke. Mm-hmm. And then he does something called crosswalk theater, crosswalk the musical, okay. where he I don't does know that like one. a flash mob of people in a Broadway show or whatever. And they, they, they jump into a crosswalk and they start performing the show and holding up traffic and people video and honk and whatever. He's so an amazingly talented dude. Yes, he is, Jack, but. Anyway, so we're going to get to the butt. So people were all mad about that. And there's too much and blah, 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 blah. And then people started bashing him for, uh, we will not forgive the UK for James Corden, blah, blah, blah. And again, it's just standard issue Twitter snarkiness, mm-hmm. right? London-born Corden seems to be experiencing a similar backlash he faced in the U.K. before he left for the U.S. in 2012. First to star on Broadway, they mentioned a couple of credits, eventually securing the late show gig as Craig Ferguson's replacement. Then they mentioned uh, several other credits. Well, at the end of the 2000s, Corden was everywhere. I didn't realize he replaced Craig Ferguson. That's so entertainment executive thinking. We've got a guy with an accent. He's leaving. We've got to replace him with another guy with an accent. Absolutely. Otherwise, it would be too shocking. (laughs) 
But but so they mentioned that at the end of the 2000s, Corden was everywhere on British TV. Co-wrote, co-starred in a phenomenally successful BBC comedy, starred in hit shows like Doctor Who, hosted several comedy panel shows, was the go-to host of award shows, including the Brit Awards, and was a regular star in ads from everything from cell phones to supermarkets. Um, and, and and so he was so omnipresent, people just got sick of him. He, he, he became, remember you two like ten years ago? Mm-hmm. You could not flip on the TV without Bono singing at you. And I was like, all right, enough, stop it. Um, the Independent had the headline: Nobody likes a narcissist. How did America fall in love with James Corden? And evidently, it's the whole thing because he's everywhere all the time. Carpool karaoke, crosswalk the musical, uh, outside social media following, online show, hosted the Tonys, the Grammys, hosted HBO Max's Friends, the reunion, executive produced three TV shows on this the big screen: Ocean's Eight, The Trolls, Peter Rabbit, the film Yesterday, etc. That's right. He's he's the voice in Peter Rabbit, which we just watched Peter Rabbit two the other night. Paid twenty yeah, bucks he, for it. Twenty bucks. But I'm, wow. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to adopt the new watching movies at home thing and then convince myself it's still way cheaper than going to the theater. So we're watching the movie. Right. Corden also produces and co-stars in Amazon's Cinderella, which debuts in a couple of days. Plus, he appeared in Rob Marshall's Into the Woods, notably had a role in The Prom, Tom Hooper's widely panned, Tom Hooper's widely panned Cats, et cetera, et cetera. And evidently in the, uh, the crosswalk, uh, theater thing, he was dressed as a rat thrusting his groin at cars. So evidently, James Corden has no that's enough filter. Or, or he decides, I'm going to take as much work as I humanly can till everybody's deathly sick of me, then I'm going to emigrate to another country <laughs> where I will inflict my talents on someone else. That's interesting. I find him very likable, and he's incredibly talented, but you only need so much of any human being. Yeah, um, yeah. I would agree on all points. Uh, that's funny. I saw an interview. Billy Joel was on uh, uh, Stephen Colbert. And I somehow YouTube fed me this clip, and Billy Joel was on there, and um, Stephen Colbert said, uh, how can he stop putting out albums? Billy Joel stopped putting out new music in the early 90s, 30 years ago. I could not have told you that. I couldn't have either, but uh, Stephen Colbert asked him how come, and he said, I just felt like people had heard enough for me. I, thought, I, I, I just felt like it was time for other people to have a chance. And, uh, and Stephen Colbert says, Elton John says you should put out more new music. <laughs> and Billy Joel said, I think he should put out less. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but, that, beautiful. but that's someone saying, you know, realizing, because at that time, Billy Joel was kind of like, it was just uh, like everywhere all the time. And, um, and he felt like, yeah, no, people have heard enough from me. I, I've, I've had my, my say. Well, and I think even the greatest songwriters have a limited number of variations on, I mean, they might have like seven different ideas and could do six different variations of each of those ideas and styles and the rest of it. But at some point, they've put all of their ideas out like three, four times. Yeah, yeah it reminds me when I went to see Elton John in concert, and geez, it's been 15 years ago now, but uh, so it was, but... He played, you know, he played all the songs you go to see Elton John for, and then he takes a break. He says, now I've got some new songs I want to play. And they were just awful. Just, just awful. Just awful. Oh, boy. And it's not because they're new, because you remember the first time you heard Rocket Man, you liked it the first time, and it was new to you, too. So, but, so yeah, he's out, he's out of stuff. I think he should put out less. There's a roller coaster at uh, this uh, Japanese amusement park. That goes from zero to 112 in 
1.56 seconds. And it's not one of those click, 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 up, 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 and over the top. No, at the beginning of the ride, you're sitting there strapped in. It takes off like a rocket sled and goes from zero to 112 in a second and a half. That's crazy fast. Well, they've had to shut it down temporarily because the uh, the local paper reports injuries, including fractures to the necks, chest, backs, cervical fracture, thoracic spine fracture. And these are people in their 30s, 40s, 50s. The thing accelerates so fast it breaks your bone. Yeah, I was going to say uh, I would want to have my head resting against something because that's what I'd oh. worry about with my neck. Well, the park said in a statement, the causal relationship between injuries and amusement machines has not yet been confirmed. So (laughs) I get off this thing with a broken neck. And what now? (laughs) Let's not jump to conclusions. Maybe you had a broken neck uh, when you showed up at the park today and just didn't know it. I don't know. I've broken two thoracic vertebrae on your ride. We don't know if it was on the ride. Maybe the giant salted pretzel you ate caused it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you bumped into something and, uh, I don't know, broke your back. Before you got on the ride, it accelerates you like one of those G-Force experiments in the 40s. I don't know. I don't know. I think that sounds like Elon Musk's Hyperloop, doesn't it? That's what that's going to be. I think uh, Elon is going to go ahead and accelerate a bit more gently than that. I hope he's planning on that, as I like my neck in the shape it is. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are, too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day. Via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts. Speaking of making your life better, uh, I said earlier on the show, uh, I'd like to have a mild heart attack because I think maybe that would motivate me to work out. It's <laughs> a hell of a thing to say. I don't want to have a big heart attack. First of all, it sounds painful, and you never know. You know, you get too close to uh, being on your DB, your deathbed. I don't want that. Um, we did get this text. Do you know how utterly ridiculous you sound saying you need a heart attack to exercise? Hey, lardass, why don't you just try going for a walk around the block? Stop, stop stuffing your face with every cheeseburger and donut you see. Seriously, why don't you try a salad with some light dressing? <laughs> so, um, but we got as many texts on this as anything we ever talk about. And then after I got to thinking about it, I thought, well, maybe that's because every single human being listening deals with this very thing every single day of their life. Maybe that's the reason we got lots of texts about it. By far, the number one response of what got them to finally start working out was a photo. That's the most common. Mm, Um, The unfortunate angle, the candid photo. Let me read through some of these, though. Uh, A couple of things got me to quit drinking and get to the gym. Watching my stepfather pass from doing much of one and none of the other. Belt reaching the last notch and a side view of myself in the mirror. Oh, the old side view in the mirror. Uh, dear Armstrong and Getty, instead of a small heart attack to get in shape, maybe you should just imagine a little girl physically dominating you. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> uh, Sam ow, from the ow. Bay Area. Stop hitting me. Ow. <laughs> Sam from the you're Bay gonna Area wrote, it I... and you're going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little sundress going. 
Right. Spin she beats kicks me up me and right takes... in the right in the junk. Oh, <laughs> takes my Starbucks money away from me and says, "Now be back tomorrow." Uh, understand that needing a life-altering injury, illness to wake up and exercise. I've been trying for 15 years to lose weight. Start of the year, I dislocated my knee, tore my ACL, PCL, LCL. I don't even know what all those things are. Three muscles and lots of damage. I've managed to lose 45 pounds since my injury. Um. So it's basically wow. they 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 didn't have a mild heart attack, but they had another physical, you know, your body saying, all right, you know, kind of warned you for a long time. We're giving out on you. You going to do something about this or not? Well, you know what? I happen to know what all those tendons are, and, and I can picture the injury that would cause them. So, Jack, we're going to need you to put your upper leg in a vice. All right. <laughs> this is this is going to hurt, but it'll just last uh, a second or two. I lost 30 pounds fairly recently. I always used to be the smallest friend in my group. I think this is obviously a woman. I used to be the smallest friend in my group, and then I saw a picture of us girls together, and I was the largest girl in the group, and it motivated me to make a change. So another seeing a picture of yourself. I knew I was overweight, but I saw a photo of myself three months ago and wondered who the obese man was in the corner and realized it was me. Erg. But Been back at the gym ever since. Uh, down 30 pounds. Wow, this email just came in. This is beautiful. This is the worst advice I've ever heard. Uh, buy only pants and shirts that are slightly too tight. Get rid of any that are loose. Never buy any that are larger. I've held steady for over 30 years by adjusting my eating. Exercise just happens. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Jack, giving everything going on in your life right now, maybe you need a life coach, not an exercise program. How do you not fire your life coach the first time they tell you to do stuff you don't want to do? <laughs> I think you're too strict. Why don't you get out of here? Or after a month. I still suck. You're fired. Um, I had back surgery and physical therapy because uh, my body gave out on me. So a lot of pe- So either seeing a picture of yourself or having your body give out on you. Here's a health tip for Jack. Uh, way too young hot girlfriend. Use your minor celebrity status to get started. Tell your agent you want to do TV spots, and if you're, and if all else fails, start hanging out with uh, fatter and older friends. <laughs> <laughs> Hang out with fatter, older people. Feel better about yourself. What motivated me to start exercising almost every single day is my children. We got a couple of those. I have kids. I got young kids, and I'm you know on the older end of being a dad. I should use that as a motivation. Um, here's another one. Their body gave out on them, so they finally lost weight. I moved into a new house with a mirror on two walls with a 90-degree angle. I didn't know I looked like that. Yeah. That's funny how actually seeing what we look like changes so many people's opinions. So we do the front view and probably suck it in a little bit and think, ah, I'm all right. Yeah, I could use a little few pounds, obviously, but uh, I'm okay. Well, and for dudes... You know, most of us carry our weight on the front, so a front view isn't going to show that, but a side view will. You know, for gals, maybe it's a side view, but, you know, the front front view, getting a little hippie, or, you know, your uh, your uh, derriere is starting to expand to the east and west. You might notice it from the front, but dudes, yeah, that front view is too easy. I lost my belly and got my college abs back. My college abs weren't much better than my current abs. Um, uh, sex from my wife increased 10,000%. Fact. <laughs> Jack, I'm kind of in your I'm in your boat. I need a mild to moderate aneurysm. <laughs> Jeez. God forbid. Not well, you need good. a wake up call. You need a wake up call. 
As a former personal trainer of five years, I can tell you without a doubt, you will get your ass to the gym by hiring a hot-ass personal trainer. It worked for me, then I quit a job and became a personal trainer. God, the idea of having a hot personal trainer that I, like, kind of fool myself into believing she'd be into me if I got in better shape or something, that just sounds bad on a whole bunch of different levels. She's super friendly and encouraging and tells me I'm doing great. I think she may be a little hot for me because I'm in good shape now. I can so see pathetic. how that would work because I, I've known a few personal trainers and they're cute and bubbly and smiley and kind of flirty. And yeah, that, that's not, that's not what I need. Um, and then the, finally this one, which I thought was good. How about the concept of avoiding lifelong celibacy? Yeah, that's why I think I'm, I'm headed toward if I don't do something. Um, how about avoiding that by starting to work out? Imagine meeting a new woman your age who's super smart and funny, but also hot and fit. And think of the first time you have to take your shirt off with her when you need motivation to exercise. The future you will thank you today if you've tightened things up a bit. So mm. try to picture somebody and how embarrassing it would be to have to take your shirt off. Is that Maybe that's the motivation. Yikes. That, that's harsh. That's tough love right there. That's the sort of tough love Dr. Phil would give you if you're on it, his show. I think I'd rather have the mild aneurysm or the heart attack. Oh, jeez. You can't stop, stop saying that, that, Knockwood. Do you feel like you've got the ability to affect heart attacks by mocking the, the idea? This My grandpa juju. died of a heart attack. I don't take it lightly, but you well, just it can't is say it's... that sort of stuff. It's uh, the universe; it doesn't like it. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Depression. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I wanted to hit you with this. John McWhorter, who's a, a linguist and a scientist and a writer and a thinker, he's a black man. Um, he's uh, one of the brilliant contrarians in the modern era, along with Thomas Sowell and Jason Riley and uh, Jason Whitlock and so many people. But he was writing about the removal of that giant boulder at the University of Wisconsin that we talked about when it happened a few weeks ago. And I just wanted to read you some of what he wrote because it's just brilliant and it's great. The University of Wisconsin had a, has apparently done black people a favor. It lifted away a rock. It was a big one, 42 tons. And at least some black students thought it was a symbol of bigotry. Because you see, 96 years ago, when the rock was placed where it was until just now, someone in a local newspaper called it, brace yourself, a blanker head. That didn't settle in as a permanently nasty local monitor for The Rock. In fact, it was never said again. It was just something some cigar-chomping scribbler wrote in 1925. But still, the Wisconsin Black Student Union, making one of the kinds of demands that such groups started pushing with the special fervor last year, insisted that The Rock had to be taken away with the backing of the school's indigenous student organization. News reports say The Rock had troubled students over the decades. Some saw it as a racist monument, as one put it, whose absence now allows them to begin healing. I should probably point out to you that the title of his piece is The Performative Anti-Racism of Black Students at the U of Wisconsin. Anyway, he says, the students are fashioning their take on the rock as a kind of sophistication or higher awareness. But what they are really demanding is that we all dumb ourselves down. The idea, it would seem, is that there is no difference between the past and the present. And that what some writer said one day during the Coolidge administration would be hurtful to a student walking past the rock while texting last month. And that this rock is representative of racism in the same way that a Confederate statue is representative of Southern racism. racism. So apparently the passage of time is an illusion? 
Uh, and uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, to have uh, someone insist on taking away a rock because of what someone called it a century ago is performance. And a crude performance at that. The students essentially demanded that an irrational, pre-scientific kind of fear that a person can be meaningfully injured by the dead be accepted as insight. They implied that the rock's denotation of racism, if it exists at all, is akin to a Confederate statue's denotation of the same, neglecting the glaringly obvious matter of degree here. As in, imagine pulling down a statue upon finding that this person memorialized had uttered a single racist thing once in his or her life. I like that. He actually brings out, what about the question of degree? Mm. And it's not all the same. We're to pretend that these students are engaged in something they call critique. Interesting, though, that the root of the word originally referred to making distinctions, as does the root of the word of science and knowledge. These students are implying that instead of uh, instead of that, on race matters, the advanced way is to resist distinguishing. Then he goes into some beautiful writing, but it's a little long. How can the same people who lustily insist that black people are strong get behind having a rock removed from their sight because something, uh, some boob wrote about it some 100 years ago? If the presence of that rock actually makes people desperately uncomfortable, they need counseling. And as such, we can be quite sure that these students were acting. Few can miss there's a performative aspect in the claim that college campuses, perhaps the most diligently anti-racism spaces on the planet, are seething with bigotry. The Wisconsin Rock episode was a textbook demonstration of the difference between sincere activism and play acting. Yeah, I out don't, of a desire to join the civil rights struggle. But do you think that they know they're performing, or are they so caught up into it they don't even really realize that they're putting on a performance? I, I think that's an excellent question. I think it depends on who you're talking about, but I realize your question is pointing out some people so convince themselves that they are scared and shocked and the fact that a boob a hundred years ago called the, the rock a bad name that's actually hurtful and dangerous to them. They convince themselves of that, but it is a psychopathy. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The true fault here lies with the school's administration, whose deer tails popped up as they bolted into the forest out of a fear of going against the commandments of what we today call anti-racism, which apparently includes treating black people as simpletons and thinking of it as reckoning. True wokeness would have been to awaken to the tricky but urgent civic responsibility of, when necessary, calling out black people on nonsense. Yes, even black people can be wrong writes John McWhorter. Wow. As the black professor Randall Kennedy of Harvard Law puts it in his upcoming uh, Say It Out Loud, blacks too have flaws, sometimes glaringly so. Now, these weaknesses may be the consequence of racist mistreatment, but they are weaknesses nonetheless. To pretend this is never the case where racism is concerned is to not reckon, but to dehumanize. And he goes on at some length. Uh, we'll post this for you at armstrongandgetty.com so you can read it yourself. But I appreciate him having the courage to stand up and stay, say the obvious. Also, as a fan of metaphors, I absolutely love the sentence. The school's administration, whose deer tails popped up as they bolted yeah. into the forest. Yeah. What a great mental image. Thank you, John McWhorter. So it's interesting bring up bring up the bathroom thing. That reminds me. So over the weekend, I needed a new pair of jeans. My favorite pair of jeans... The crotch ripped out in, like a big Burr. hole ripped out in the crotch. And it was pointed out to me by someone, hey, there's a giant hole in your crotch. Oh, boy. And, I mean, you could, I mean, it was like three inches in diameter. And, I mean, and you could see, like, you know, right to my underwear and part of my leg. 
was, I was going to say, I'm assuming and praying you were wearing some sort of undergarment. So I really like these jeans. So actually, over the weekend, or was your schwanz just hanging out? <laughs> so when I so so over the weekend, I bought a sewing kit at CVS. Nice. And I and I sewed up the hole in my jeans. Wow, old school way to go. But apparently, I didn't use thick enough thread because I'm going to uh, uh, the hospital to visit someone. And I get in my car and I lift my leg up to get up in my truck and it rips open the hole again. Ah! And I was on, I was at the hospital and I, so I ended up walking into the hospital with this big hole in my pants and I had to stand in such a way or sit in such a way that you wouldn't be looking like right at my leg and my underwear. Cause oh yeah, I think I could get arrested for some sort of exposing yourself sex crime. The pants were. So then I'm at a mall and, uh, I decide I need a new pair of jeans and, uh, and God, there's nothing worse than like buying clothes at the mall. And but you, you got to try them on because Levi's quality control, as I've mentioned, is so crappy that if you buy three pairs of thirty-three, thirty-fours, which is what I wear, one of them will be so tight you can't get them on. One of them, two of us could fit in, and the other one will be just right, all exactly wow. the same size. That's how bad wow. their quality control is. So I go to the uh, fitting room. And uh, there's a line like, because most of the fitting rooms are closed because of COVID, which is stupid. There's only one fitting room open, and there's a line of like 50 guys there. And I thought, I'm wait, not wait, wait, this. isn't that like the opposite of what you should do to avoid the spread of a disease? Everybody's going to go in the same small room <laughs> to prevent COVID. <laughs> ah, boy. What the bleep? I know, it's all stupid. Anyway, so I decided I'm going to go upstairs to the women's department and see if there's not a line there, because I just want to try in these pants and get the hell out of yeah, here. Yeah, and hang out in the dressing room, Your Honor. That's and why I was... As I'm going up the uh, escalator, I'm thinking to myself, are fitting rooms men and women only, or are they open for everybody? I wasn't even exactly sure, because some stores' fitting rooms are for everybody. But some stores they aren't. Anyway, I got right. up, I got upstairs here. I think it was a, well. I won't say the name of the store. I get upstairs and I say, "Can I use this fitting room?" And she says, "That's for women only." And I thought, and I didn't get in the argument. I thought, so we have restrooms probably in this store that say male or female on them because you don't want to run afoul of the transgender people. So right. I could go into the women's restroom and show my wiener to to women, maybe even underage women in this right. restroom. But I can't try in a pair of jeans alone in a closet in this female. I just thought this we, we, we live in a crazy world. It is crazy. We live in a crazy world. It's stupid. The idea is you just shut up and go along. You do what you're told. The and, ID uh, logs will control ye. It's impossible to find a restroom. So my, uh, my, my son has to use the restroom a lot. And uh, so we need restrooms when we're out and about and a lot. It's impossible to find a public restroom. Two reasons. One, COVID. A lot of them are closed for COVID. And two, ever since Starbucks got sued by that, uh, you know, the gentlemen that were there that they thought were homeless or whatever, and then they got sued for being racist, so many businesses have closed down their restrooms now. It's almost impossible to use a restroom in public anymore. That's the society we've crafted. Well, luckily in California, you can go on the street. Yeah, that's funny. My son brought that up the other day. He said, because we saw a homeless camp that was just trash everywhere he said how come the homeless people don't have the same rules for trash that we have <laughs> that's a very good question i said yeah if i yeah, litter it's no against kidding. the law you know got to keep your yard a certain way blah all these different things homeless people they can do whatever the hell they want anywhere they can have dogs off leash they can have garbage toxins environmentalists sure. don't care doesn't make any difference
Yeah. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. I got my The Armstrong and Getty Show. I always wanted to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. I always wanted to set some sort of record, and I tried a whole bunch of different things as a kid. I never considered this one. Who can yodel the fastest while smoking a cigarette and playing the accordion? That is a very specific niche skill. Because you Did got you somebody say smoking a cigarette. Because there's probably somebody who can yodel really fast while playing the accordion, but doesn't smoke, or somebody right. who smokes and plays the accordion but has never yodeled in their life. You I really think need it's stupid. You who wants yodeling? <laughs> you really need the triple threat of fast yodeling while smoking a cigarette and playing the accordion. <laughs> Is that little pause where he took a hit of the cancer stick? (laughs) You know you shouldn't smoke because every cigarette takes seven minutes off your completely pointless life. (laughs) Of annoying people with your yodeling. (laughs) That's some fast damn yodeling, though. Yes, it is, in accordion playing. Yeah. Why not add in smoking, he thought to himself. You know, you're right, he thought back. You know, I wish I could play the accordion, but that would take a lot of work. If you could play any musical instrument, what would you play? If you could play any? The guitar. <laughs> um, uh, anybody who's seen me knows what I mean. Ah, uh, Gosh, that's an interesting question. I'd have to contemplate that. An accordion would be up there. Although, if you can play keyboards oh, really? in general, you got a big start. I was at the music store the other day. got my son uh, um, uh four-string little guitar ukulele uh got my son a ukulele and the uh young woman helping me out there at the music store it's still a mom and pop music store that still survives somehow mostly through lessons because everybody buys everything online now but they survive through lessons um i asked her i said what's your musical instrument of choice expecting to hear piano saxophone maybe violin she was asian um she said the harp said the harp like like the big you know like Gladys, come on, Gladys. She said, yeah, that, that's her instrument. I said, what's wow. a decent harp cost if I just want to get a decent started on harping? What's it going to cost? And <laughs> she said, probably 12. As opposed to harping on the staff. <laughs> yeah. She said 12 to 15 grand. I thought, wow, that's a pretty high level uh, barrier of entry. If your kid says, hey, Dad, Dad, I want to play the harp. Anything well, for you, son. Nothing would make me prouder, son. <laughs> So, like, a student harp is going to be five figures? Oh, I took her word or for maybe, it. Maybe you can get a cheap, crappy one for, like, eight grand. I'll bet. I'll bet it's got to be pretty good, because that's a lot of long strings. you got to keep perfectly in tune. Otherwise, it would sound like crap, all those different strings against each other if it was out of tune. Imagine keeping that thing in tune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we actually had a friend. It's a shame we've lost touch with them because they're really nice people, but we moved and they moved and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the, the gal was a harpist and, and, you know, I saw a corner, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I saw a harp in the corner of the living room. I said, well, you got a harp, huh? <laughs> yeah, I play it's hard it. not to say that. Well, yeah. And she said, yeah. I said, go ahead. Pick me a little uh, tune here, would you? And she uh, unleashed on that thing, and it was a holy crap moment. She was really good. Well, does she only play the dream sound effect, Gladys? 
This is the only one. Was considerably wider than Gladys's. No offense, Gladys. Is there anything other than this on the harp? I'm not sure I've ever heard anything yes, other than that on the harp. Of course there is. Of course there is. It's an exquisite instrument. Lovely. Hmm. Many strings. There's something working her hands back and forth independently of each other. Just craziness. I'd never plucking picked... and mutin, mutin and plucking. I'd never picked up a ukulele before. That's kind of a fun little dealio. We're going to spend some time on that because there's only four strings. It's pretty easy to figure out the chords. Most songs are three chords long, so yeah, you can do a lot of songs. Oh yeah, you get started in a hurry. So we got a text about their daughter dressing provocatively. How did we end up on that topic earlier in the show? I don't remember. Well, we we were talking about it a few days ago, and, and a gal wrote us an email that I thought was so good, I just kind of kept it around until I found the chance to share it. She said, essentially, what she taught her daughter, and it's similar to what I taught my two daughters, was that you don't walk down the street, particularly in a questionable part of town, wearing lots of expensive jewelry and obviously carrying cash, because bad people, unscrupulous people, easily tempted people will... Uh, you will get their attention. And so it's just best not to. And the same can be said of dressing in a sexually provocative way within reason. You know, I'm not a member of the friggin' Taliban over here, but you do not want to gain the attention of someone who cannot be trusted, or you don't want to provoke a sexual response in somebody who can't control themselves. It's a dangerous game. Well, you know, there are... There are those that believe, and I, my research throughout my life leads this to be true a lot of the time, based on my own personal research. A lot of times when people dress that way, it is an invitation for that kind of conversation or, or, uh, or, um, you know, making it clear that I'm, I'm interested in this sort of activity. That is right. More often than not, I would say in my life, that has been the case. Right. But naive activist types believe that, therefore, they can dress any way they want, and and including in a very sexually provocative way. But because good, decent manners and behavior, and, and certainly women's rights say, nobody should make an assumption or touch them or, or, or offend them or whatever. And that's unquestionably true. It's just not realistic, because we're talking about people who are predatorial, who have no self-control, who are just are bad people maybe they're just immature but it just well, am again I, but this is the difference between the ideological and the realistic we're dancing around in a category where it could get us into trouble right here but am i right or wrong that throughout human history up until fairly recently dressing a certain way as a woman was an announcement to males that i am looking for a mate or at least a temporary mate hasn't that I'm always sexually been, available, in ha, short. Hasn't yeah. that been what that message is from dressing like that? Yeah. Always, up until fairly recently, and now we're supposed to... Right. Maybe we have. I don't know. We got this uh, text from a mom. I've told my daughter, don't bait the hook if you're not going to fish. <laughs> I like those kind of things. I've heard that one, too. Yeah. I was at... Uh, I was somewhere the other day, and uh, there were a couple of high school girls there, and I thought, oh, my God, why are you dressed that way? And then I kind of thought for a while, I'm, gl- I'm glad I don't have to figure out how to deal with this. I know you dealt with it, but I, I have two boys. I don't have two girls. I, I don't know what I would do if my daughters wanted to dress like that. I think it's a terrible idea to be a 16-year-old girl and dress the way the girls these girls were. But other people have different opinions on that. Well, yeah, and speaking of things that are universal and timeless, kids want to be grown up. 
They want to look grown up. They want to project being grown up. And, 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 you know, you could write books on this sentence. One way girls want to look womanly is to be sexy. It just is. It's again. It's universal. It's constant. Well, I mean, you're not leaving the house in that is a saying that goes back three thousand years. I'm sure it does. These particular girls, and I'm guessing they were fifteen, sixteen. These particular girls, if they were dressed like that at thirty, you wouldn't think. While you look grown up, you'd think you're looking for some action. Yeah, that's yeah. what a lot of guys you can think, and I realize that a lot of you think that's awful that anybody would think that based on how someone is dressed. All right. Again, realism versus academic, ideological fantasy land. Huh. But, you know, as, as a father of daughters, you can't, uh, in my opinion, you can't indulge that academic fantasy. You have to help them understand how the real world works and, and what the dangers are. Of course, the Taliban thinks that you can't even have a cover over your face with your eyes showing. You need to have the little thing over your eyeballs so nobody even sees your eyeballs. Right. So. That's would be that's Looney Tunes. That's Looney Tunes, and uh, well, it is completely Looney Tunes. Armstrong and Getty.